Hello, podcasting live nations. How's it going out there, folks out there in the wonderful lands of cyberness? Your host here, Mr. Cyberknife Shark from the MCU's Bleeding Edge here with our all-new live stream for you guys today. So we'll be discussing, of course, the fifth episode of Marvel's What If Tonight. We have an amazing crew once again with us. We actually have kind of a reuniting trio of our amazingness with us tonight. Uh, we actually have our great friend, Mr. Perry, back with us again. Thank you for coming back, sir. And we have our amazing original trio here tonight, so we're going to give you a wonderful show. It'll be amazing. Of course, we also have Mr. Jeff Sloboda here. Our other MCU bleeding edge man. It's good to be a whole, man. It's good to be a whole. Nice to have the whole squad together. It is nice to be a squad again. Yes, yes, I totally agree. So we're going to go right into this, people. So I hope you guys enjoy. So the start is off. So this episode, the fifth episode, is actually called What If Zombies? That's right, zombies. So we finally got our zombie episode finally today. And it was really interesting because I wasn't too sure uh, exactly, you know, what we were going to be looking for in this. Because I know a lot of people, when they saw, like, the promo for this, they were like, oh, this is probably going to be really cool. And I wasn't too sure if it was going to be as cool as, as they had made it out to be, but that did prove me wrong. I thought it was actually a pretty decent uh, episode. Uh, so, you know, to start us off, I mean, I think it's kind of interesting how they started the episode. So we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, right off the bat, guys. So what did you guys think about how it kind of started out like the beginning of Infinity War? We had, you know, where Hulk basically gets sent by Heimdall down to, you know, where Doctor Strange's place is. And that's basically how this whole episode starts for us. So what were you guys' thoughts when you saw that Hulk was being passed down to Doctor Strange's place and then he comes... You know, he gets there and he says his words, and then all of a sudden it's like nobody's there. What were you guys decide? So let's start with you, Perry. What did you think about that beginning? Yeah, that was it. Was like, uh, like you were saying, like like you said, it, it, I wasn't sure where it was going to start, where it was going to end, like where they were going to place this and all that stuff. It was, uh, I think that was like the perfect place to kind of start, it. and obviously, like they probably they probably wrote it a hundred different ways, and then came down to this one um but that was one of the that that entrance into it was a great place to bring bruce banner into the fold of like what's already going on it kind of it, it kind of felt like uh like you were being dropped in with bruce banner into the situation and now you're like like what's going on kind of like, you know what i mean so that i think that was like the perfect way to kind of bring people into um that that intro into this this episode of what if of the zombie episode i i enjoyed it i think that was like a cool that was a cool way to do it because it we were we were reacting with bruce's like the same kind of like what's going on you know he was doing that we were doing that so i thought that was good totally agree completely agree how about you jeff i thought that this um I mean, overall, I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there right now that, as I've already mentioned earlier, this was my favorite What If episode so far. I really, really, really liked this one. I mean, I love every part of it. I really did. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. For, for as, as short of an episode as it was, they really unpacked a lot of story in it. You know what I mean? Like, um, And honestly, you know what I thought? Um, 
basically what I felt at the point that that um that banner fell into the sanctum sanctorum um and nobody was there um I really wasn't sure what the hell was going on you know what I mean like I, I honestly um when when Thanos's people like the dark order dropped down from the ship I thought it was going to just be them like from infinity war. And they were going to, you know, say the whole spiel, like you're about to be killed. Did, I can't remember. Did the guy talk the, the, um, what's his name? The guy from the dark order. Did he actually speak? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. said, he said that line. He was like, you have the, the honor of being killed by Thanos's children. So did um, they become zombies right then when they first showed up or something, or were they already zombies at that point? No, they, no became, they weren't. They became zombies when the Avengers popped up. When the Avengers, okay. when when Iron Man, Wong, and Doctor Strange all of a sudden pop up, you see those circles and stuff going on. They attacked them and, oh, and bit them. Oh, yes. Yes, and that's what, was, what I thought was just, like, outstanding about this whole deal. The concept that these, <clears throat> these characters, these Avengers characters and Wong and everything are zombies yet they're still using their superpowers and their abilities and strategies and stuff like that. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, that's really different. Um, I've never seen anything like that before in any kind of zombie trope that I can think of. I mean, um, yeah. I, I just assume that if like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I never read the, um, the, the Marvel comics zombie storyline, the new one that came out a couple of years back. I, I haven't read it yet, so I need to. But um, I wasn't aware that they actually retained their abilities and stuff like that and, like, could still fight and, like, all that stuff. I thought once they became zombies, they just became mindless zombies, you know? So I wasn't sure what the hell was going on. When I saw Iron Man acting like Iron Man and, like, fighting and everything strategically, I'm like, okay, that's Tony Stark. That's Iron mm -hmm. Man. Like, it, it didn't even occur to me that they were zombies. And then when they actually turned out to be zombies and started eating the Dark Order, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Um, and, uh, like, from then on, the, the, the episode just went into such a fun direction. And it really kind of um, brought, th brought things back home for me. Like, you know, the Infinity War-like connections were, were really fun to see. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I really did. I loved the whole Infinity War, you know, uh, connection. Um, and um, I felt like it was nostalgic, but they didn't overdo it. Like they did the quick thing and then that was it. It was, it was over. Um, and then they moved on with the story. Uh, but at the same time, there was the immediate, um, and I know we're going to get into this on the next, the next step of this, but there's that immediate collaboration of all the different characters that you get in just like infinity war in the MCU. Like we got, like when we all saw infinity war, there was that like awesome synergy of like seeing all these characters together for the first time. That's kind of how I felt nostalgically like about this episode. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I mean, there was a lot of camaraderie in this episode and they definitely like putting these certain characters together. We hadn't seen in any MCU film yet. So that the fact that they did that with what if actually gave you a, that nostalgic feeling like you're saying. And that was also something uh, my wife was saying, too, about the episode. She thought that 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 was cool, that you got to see all these different characters together 
uh, you know, that you hadn't seen previously, you know, do anything together. So, yeah, I completely agree with that, most definitely. So, so we have the beginning opening, you know, Bruce, you know, he's comes out, he's about to fight Ma, and, and I forget what the other gentleman's name is, the bigger guy. Um, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes you know, Tony Stark and Doctor Strange and Wong, and they're, like, beating them up and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you, that's when we get the first glimpse that, oh, holy crap, they're zombies, which is so cool and so awesome. I love that, you know, they ended up doing the zombie version. So, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's about being attacked by them, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, somebody pops up to help Bruce, none other than Wasp herself. So this was our first time seeing kind of, like, Wasp, away from just Ant-Man and, you know, kind of doing her own thing. So I thought that was really cool. And, you know, all, you know, she comes there and then all of a sudden, you know, Bruce is swung off by none other than Spider-Man. Spider-Man's another one that survived. I was like, okay, this is cool. They got Spider-Man, they got Wasp that have survived. And then they kind of go back to their base uh, where they, you know, have, you know, taken Bruce and stuff and they want to show him, like, this video that they, that Peter has created, which totally made me think of the beginning of Homecoming. And that gave me that whole Homecoming vibe and stuff like that. So what did you guys think about when he, like, is presenting that video to Bruce to show him what's going on? What were your guys' thoughts when that kind of popped up? They, like, it first showed him, like, putting up the typesetting for, like, the, uh, you know, saying, oh, this is the <laughs> instructional video for, you know, surviving the zombie apocalypse. What were your guys' thoughts? So let's start with you, Perry. Yeah, that was that was really fun. Like it was, it, it felt very Spider Man. Um, like that was one of those moments where it was like, oh, okay, like these characters are still these characters, and we still get to have like that fun moment with them and stuff. And um, that you kind of see the theme throughout this is that like Spider Man is going to be like the guy that's like kind of holding this thing together with his like ability to keep keep people like energized a little bit, you know. So. Um, that was a that was a great like video and it was it was so funny you know like it just it just cracked me up watching it so that was a uh, I, I the video was awesome yeah <laughs> what about what about when uh, they uh, they brought in David Dashmoon's character into this fold which I think is really <laughs> awesome and he opens the curtain and Bucky's taking a shower I, that scene was absolutely freaking hilarious I yeah. was like laughing he grabs him by the neck and he's like. He's like, eh, that's a really strong arm. I'm, it's, you know, and, and it's like, it, it does, can't get <laughs> it's waterproof. It can't, it's waterproof, you know, <laughs> which is freaking hilarious. I was like, oh, I was just cracking up so hard because, like, like I was saying before, yeah, it totally gave me that homecoming vibe. Yeah. With the video he begins with at the beginning. So, yeah, totally agree there with you. How about you, Jeff? What did you think about that scene? Well, I thought it was kind of similar to what Perry said. I think that it was really refreshing um to see spider-man like being spider-man you know like um and um i thought that the whole i'm trying to i'm trying to think of a movie maybe that I, that that i've seen that maybe i can think of that might be similar but i can't really think of anything as far as like you know where the where the pace of of the story and the episode immediately like went with this like whole homemade video with a cell phone you know um like playfully like and sh like unveiling all the characters that are there like in this universe like that are left i guess as like as the avengers kind of you know what i mean like um and it, what a great ensemble group like really like i loved it i mean 
Um, they could have, there's a lot, a lot of different, different, a lot of different things they could have done, but I mean, who they ended up putting together to be the survivors was great. Like I loved seeing Sharon Carter. Um, I, I love Sharon Carter. You got, you guys know, I love Sharon Carter. Um, I feel like, um, Sharon Carter, uh, basically, um, to me, you know, I, this is, this is like a, a little bit sidestepping, but. I feel like to this day, I still feel like they underused her in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and like she should have had a bigger part in it. And I don't like her being a, the power broker and everything and whatnot. But obviously, we'll see what happens. Maybe she's a scroll. So who knows? You know, like you never know. But um, I love seeing Sharon Carter. I love seeing the interactions between Spider-Man and the different people because obviously, just like in the comics or like in the mo other movies, it's always fun to see Peter Parker's like uh, dialogue with other people and other characters and stuff like that. Um, and so it was really cool seeing how nonchalant they all were about the whole zombie apocalypse deal. Uh, I thought that was kind of weird in a way. Like I was like, well, they seem really like, you know, okay with where things are at. Um, but I love the fact that Okoye was there. Like that really made me happy that she was a part of it. I really liked that. Um, and, like, um, I think that, um, essentially I also was really happy that Hope Van Dyne was a part of the team, you know, because I feel like, I don't know what that was, but, um, <laughs> uh, but anyways, I feel like, um, basically like, I don't feel nostalgic or anything like that when it comes to, um, the whole idea of her being an original Avenger type character and the fact that they didn't actually make her more of a part of the Avengers during her time in the MCU. I'm okay with that. Um, you know, but it was kind of in a way, again, nostalgic. It was interesting to see her basically being a part of the Avengers in a way, you know what I mean? Like a core Avenger, just like she was in the comics way back in the day. And I, I just like her character in general. So I was happy that she popped up as like one of the survivors, you know, I love Hope Van Dyne. Um, you know, I think that she's a really interesting, a really interesting character. I would have rather seen her than seen like Ant-Man at that point. Um, you know, and obviously we'll get to that later, but yeah, I mean, that's basically it. You know, it was just the camaraderie, the fact that Peter was making that stupid video, like, um, you know, like, like during like a, such a serious situation was funny. It was funny, and that Kurt character was funny. Like, he's the one, like, non-superhuman person or whatever out of everybody or whatever that just, like, a part of the team. Um, I love seeing um, Happy Hogan using the Iron Man gloves the, the, the from the suit. That shit was really cool. Yeah, I like that. that. Awesome. Totally, I totally agree with that. Uh, like... When all Hoagie, when Hoagie all of a sudden pops up there and he has the glove on and everything, and I was just kind of like laughing, like, yeah, Happy would have the Iron Man glove. He totally would, and like just like how he, he they had that similar chemistry as they do in the actual Spider Man films in this episode was really fun too. And just like everyone has said, yeah, the camaraderie in this episode was really fun because you all had all these different characters working with each other, and so I thought it was kind of apropos. Um, you know, because we get a kind of a glimpse of, you know, you know, something happened to Ant-Man. And so only hope is left. 
from the Ant-Man film. So incorporating the Ant-Man film like into this, you know, kind of like what they did with the the episode where all the Avengers are killed off. Um, I thought that was kind of fun that they finally in included, you know, hope into the scope of it and into the story. So I thought that was really cool. And she was kind of like the main kind of like vision of this episode a little bit because she's saying that it's her fault why this virus took over and, you know, turned everyone into zombies. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting take of, you know, taking that. And, you know, as as we saw in the episode, too, you know, Hope mentions how it was because when her father went down to get their mother, she's the one that brought back the virus that caused this whole thing to go on two weeks prior to when this is supposed to be happening, when it's supposed to be Avengers Infinity War. And uh, I thought, you know, that was just a really cool way of taking it, too. So I, I completely agree with you guys there. Um, so, you know, as we move on, you know, after, you know, we see that Peter video and stuff and we get introduced to more of the characters, uh, we move on a little bit more and they're like, basically go on, you know, on the road kind of to uh, try to find a cure for this disease. And uh, as as they go on, we that's when we start losing characters. And so my next question is, what did you guys think about that? Like, all of a sudden they started like zombifying characters, like after kind of like that beginning portion of the film, like all of a sudden we started losing, you know, certain characters, you know, Sharon, you know, you know gets taken by Cap. We get, uh, <clears throat> you know, we get so many different characters. All of a sudden they start getting, uh, you know, taken out and becoming zombies themselves. So what were you guys' thoughts on that? Like on that, they all of a sudden started killing off some of these surviving Avengers. Uh, let's start with you, Perry. Yeah. I think that was like a important part of like, this being like giving it some weight you know like when you're dropped in you already have like some of the characters that are already like turned into zombies and you so it's it but it was good to see like you lose some of those characters too that were still okay and you're starting to get like that that feeling of like all right who's who's gonna make it to the end kind of thing and uh there was some like really cool moments within that where it was uh um like a lot of different uh like action points where you were like oh they're gonna they're gonna die there nope not never mind <laughs> like uh and there was like some like it, it seemed like anybody who died was like like sacrificing themselves in some way shape or form for this moment and um like to get to the end point and uh i think that is like parallel to like how all the characters felt when going into Endgame, so this is like just another. This is like a parallel version of that, just in a different way, with similar themes, but like telling a different story. Um, so I thought that was that was that was a good addition, like uh, and allowing them to have fun with it, like not being like, oh, we can't take away this person, we can't take away this person, but they're just giving themselves the creative leeway to just be like tell the story. Don't you guys kind of feel like there's just an interconnectivity there where, like, it almost felt like an Avengers film in a way? Very much so. I, yeah. I would I would say, yeah. I mean, that, like, correlation with, um, you know, just how uh, it, it started off like Infinity War, an Avengers movie. I mean, that fact right there, like, totally just made it seem like that, you know? So, I mean, it was, that's, to me, I felt like I was watching an Avengers film 
you know, in whole. So, well, I feel like it's funny because in comparison to when they did the Avengers episode for episode three, when, you know, what if the mightiest heroes never happened or whatever, or they all died. That was very like, not depressing, but like, um, uh, deflating to me like it you know what i mean it wasn't very exciting it wasn't very um you know uh, i i didn't feel that tied into it or connected whereas with this as the story was progressing and like you know continuing to pick up steam um i guess you know the fact that the team was at least together for a while um while they did start to lose people made it feel more like a like a, a whole like you know what we're used to in the mcu i guess very true, very true. I, I would agree with that too. Yeah. Um, so I mean, is that is that your take on it, Jeff? On on that on the question well, I just asked? I think that it was like I was saying to you earlier earlier, Cyber, in a way, this episode actually hit me the way that live action affects me. Like that's the basically the difference with this episode compared to the other episodes of the what if. For me, this is the first one where I looked at this one and I was like wow, I actually feel like little tugs in my like chest like about people dying and stuff like that and like losing people, you know, and uh, people sacrificing themselves and everything and like it was powerful. And so it, it kind of felt like live action in a way, um, like that same gravity and um, that same like, you know, effect um, and feel and an and impact. But um, at the same time, um, I feel like, there was a lot of there was the weight of this was a lot different than the weight of like episode three, where like all these Avengers were just dying, like you know for whatever reason we didn't know why they were just dying off. In this case, there was an actual like you know bad guy to fight, zombies. You know, like they there was against them versus the zombies. I love zombies like shows and zombie movies. I love I love um, the freaking. Um, I love The Walking Dead. I always have. Like I've I've fallen behind on on like the seasons at this point. I've got to go back. But The Walking Dead is a great show. Uh, at least like the first five or six seasons of that show are ridiculously good. Um, I don't care. Like you know, the, is it graphic? Yes. But like I like the zombie aspect of of, of the whole episode. I, I I think it's the fact that it's that there's that there's zombies and that that's part of like what they're dealing with is the fact that like at any point they could be bitten or whatever and become a zombie. I love that whole vibe. I enjoy that type of like film show. Like I love it. If like Alexis said when we did the episode four review that she thought that they could make like a live action movie almost with like what they did with the Dr. Strange episode four of what if I don't agree with that. This right here, this zombie story and in, in this episode, I could see them doing that in a film. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Totally. It'd be a really, it'd be a really interesting film. It'd be cool. It'd be, it'd be a cool. Uh, it'd be cool if they could do like uh, if they take this, these notions of uh, like the what if stuff, and make if they did a what if off. movie, yeah, on something like this, and they had like an like the Avengers as a part of it, and like right. they had they had like a concept like the zombie uh, compl- uh, concept. Are you kidding me? It would be it, that. It would be perfect. Yeah. yeah. It would be really cool. I think this would be that would be a very big hit. Yeah, most definitely if they decided to make that into a live action film. Um, Because I feel like with the what if going on right now, 
I feel a lot of people want What If uh, into the actual Marvel Universe as a live-action format now because of they've seen what Marvel has done with it and the just the beauty of what it looks like, even though this is just a- animation. Like you've said, Jeff, I feel like it, it, this episode, like you were saying, this one seems like you're watching a live-action episode. So, I mean, I could see it playing really well and translating really well into a live-action format of some sort. Oh, so I'm I think- putting it out there right now, Cyber. I would. I don't mean to cut you off, but I wouldn't. I. I it would not shock me if, if they, if they literally promoted and said we're going to do a zombie what if movie, like with you know we're going to throw all the Avengers characters in there that you all know and love, but we're going to take them out of their usual universe and put them in this parallel dimension, parallel universe of zombies and uh, like a zombie apocalypse and everything it would be a smash box office hit yeah most definitely most definitely so before we go further on i would like to share the promo with our live streamers out there just to kind of give you a kind of a little bit of an introduction or a little bit of a refresher to what we're talking about in this episode so jeff if you have that ready we'd like to see that sir Oh, that's episode four. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute on that, brother. <laughs> so, folks. Give me one minute on that. We need one <laughs> minute here, people. Uh, we'll have it here shortly for you guys. Just a wonderful little glitch as usual. But anyways, yeah. So, I mean, I wanted to point out before we move on a little bit further from what we were just talking about, too, is was anyone else laughing at at uh, Hoagie's shirt that says, I'm I'm single because I'm saving myself for Thor. <laughs> that cracked me up when I read that. Happy Hogan was hilarious in this episode. Like just in general, that like right from the start, you can tell he's just like so pissed off to be in that video, and then he's wearing <laughs> that shirt. Like they just, I feel like uh, I I can't tell. Like what it seems like with all these episodes is that they progressive. Like it feels like they got into a groove like the last couple episodes where they feel like they can really dive into like whatever they're doing. The first couple felt like they were like kind of like pandering a little bit, like not in a bad way, but like they were giving people like, you know, the, the, what they wanted a little bit. And then, and then now they're like, they're doing a little more what they want to do. You know, it feels like the people are being really creative and having fun with it. Like the animators doing that stuff. Every time happy Hogan like did the, uh like the iron man uh like blast what did he say he said like or or like blam or something yeah yeah like it was just goofy and like you could tell that uh like you could tell that it was fun for them like making it and you can tell that it was fun like and it was just fun watching you know it's 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 good breaks in the uh chaos with those things so yeah happy hogan was a great addition addition to it he totally is that that's why I love the fact that he's a part of the Spider-Man films. I love that they kind of made him like a centralized character for Peter in those films. I think that's a great thing cuz I mean John Favreau as Hoagie is hilarious and he's so good at playing that character. And so I thought that it was really awesome that you know even though he hasn't directed anything since Iron Man 2, they still have kept him in the loop. And kept him, you know, the character in the film still. And I think that's just great because I think he's really built a great character that I think a lot of people have fallen in love with and have just, you know, had a lot of fun with. But yeah, that scene where he's like using the blaster and he's making the sound with it 
I mean, the fact that, you know, I think it's, is it Sharon or is it AO? Yeah, it's Sharon. She's like, are you going pew pew when you're doing the laser thing? That was just like absolutely yeah. hilarious. Oh, so yeah, funny. That, it was great. And like John Favreau is, he's he's like, he's one of those people that like I, I talk about all the time. Cause he's, he's one of those people that like, um, he created, he created the MCU. Like he, his image of Iron Man jumpstarted what we consider like the MCU. And that tone was really important when it started. And he, I don't think people give like, at least casual fans don't necessarily know how much of an influence that his style of directing and writing and his style of humor really like became ingrained in what we understand as like the MCU style, you know, and obviously they've changed it and like developed it and all that stuff. I mean, that that's bound to happen. But like, when you look at like the core of what the MCU does, like emotionally takes these characters through their journey, like he, that was, that was a lot of him. And, uh, he he makes great great movies and obviously now he's he's running the mandalorian and a lot of star wars stuff so uh um it he's he's a great he's a great director and a great writer and um it was it's awesome it's always awesome just to see him have fun on screen because he's a great actor too um and if you've never seen the movie chef go check it out it's a great movie great movie Uh, very good movie i actually watched that on um it was uh, Voodoo. It, on Voodoo, they had it for free to watch, and I watched it on there. And yeah, that movie is awesome. Yeah, what he's really. One, what was the one that he, that he played played in with Vince Vaughn when he first came out? Was it Swingers? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, from I, the late nineties. Yeah, I remember watching that when I was like thirteen years old. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> that movie's a, a, an interesting film. It's one of those ones that it's. Uh, it, it, it's like kind of your first introduction to both these actors, but at the same time, it got so much press and like it was considered a huge successful film for its time. And I actually didn't watch it until it had been years, be, you know, later since they had it came out. And I remember w- watching it and thinking, "This is this is a good movie," but at the same time, I was like, "You could tell these people were going to be huge actors. You know, th- they were going to do something in Hollywood. You could just tell." And even like I've seen, you know, as you see other movies by them, you know, over the years and stuff like you can just see the process of just them becoming more and more good at their craft. And that definitely that movie was a catalyst and a beginning to showing that craft that both of those actors had. So, yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, Ferbro, he's a really good uh, actor. he, He directed it, too. I think he did. I think he directed it, too. And. Um, honestly, even back then, I remember as a kid, I remember hearing that he was actually, even then, like when swingers came out, he was known more for like his ability behind the camera than like on camera. You know what I mean? Um, like he was already on the way to like, you know, like heading in that direction. Um, it says he, he, he wrote it. He was the writer on it. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. There you go. Well, I mean, that's, that's a poignant thing to write a movie like that. You know what I mean? That shows a lot of talent. And I mean, um, what I wanted to basically just comment about with Favreau is I feel like every director from in the MCU, um, you know, some of them fit 
a certain way with a film and certain some fit you know better or more well in certain films than others. I feel like Favreau was perfectly matched to do Iron Man. Like he was the he was the right director for the for the feel that they needed to give off with Iron Man. Um, mm -hmm. he directed Iron Man too, didn't he? Too. Yes. Yeah, he did. Directed the first um, two, yeah. Yeah, and look, and look what happened with Iron Man three. It, it kind of sucked. You know what I mean? Like you know, but like to to some extent, it was all right. But I mean, you know, it was kind of um, convoluted. But um, mm. you know, uh, I feel the same way with like the Russo brothers and Captain America, like Captain America: The Winter Soldier, Civil War. I feel like the Russo brothers were just like the perfect fit to plug in for that franchise for that character for that story that film um and again i think that it's important to take note um that not only does marvel studios dominate the the cinema landscape completely and has for years or whatever um they're not just like getting lucky on stuff like they pick the right people to like direct and write these films and like cast these films and everything. Like they pick people who are really good at their jobs. Like you can say what you want about Marvel comics right now. These days, a lot of people poo poo them and like, don't like kind of the wokeness that like in the direction that, that the comics have gone in with Marvel nowadays and like the PC, you know, stuff that they've in politics, they've injected into the comics. But when it comes to Marvel Studios and the MCU, um, they over and over and over, they continue to prove that they're good at, at hiring the, the best fit for films as far as directors, writers. Um, they pe pe people, people become very loyal to Marvel Studios. Whatever Kevin Feige is doing, whatever voodoo he's you know working or whatever with people, they seem to want to come back and I'm work with Marvel Studios. Yeah, I mean – you know, like there's a there's a real loyalty there that I think goes beyond just the financial aspect of like making money from Marvel Studios. I think there's like a, you know, like just to throw in like a Shang-Chi thing, like, you know, I wasn't too happy th that they even included Ben Kingsley in the, in the Shang-Chi film. But like, who knows? Maybe Ben Kingsley came to Kevin Feige and said, you know what? I want to be in this film. You know what I mean? Like at that point. What are you going to do? You know, like, of course you're going to have him come in. Like I told you the other night, Perry. Um, I just think that, um, you know, bringing up Favreau, talking about Favreau, he definitely, Cyber, you're right. He plays Happy Hogan perfectly. Like, I don't know if anybody else, like, it's like nobody can play Black Panther, but like Chadwick Boseman. I'm I'm sorry, but nobody can. Um, and be as good as the Black Panther as Chadwick Boseman is. Um and I'm not saying, and, and you know, people, and they can do what they want with that role. I don't care. But um, I just don't think anybody can fill those shoes but Chadwick Boseman, and he's gone. Um, so it's the same thing with Happy Hogan. They couldn't take, like, John Favreau out of that role and swap somebody else in there, and it wouldn't work for the, the same way that, like, Favreau yeah. does. I agree. I very much agree. Yeah, I wonder I how much Favreau gets paid for being in those Spider-Man movies. Uh, who knows? I mean, he probably does it because he's got a good relationship with them. I think maybe that's another reason why <coughs> why he does it, you know, because he just enjoys playing the character. I, I, you could just tell he enjoys playing that character, and so I think 
it's not probably a money issue or anything like that. He does it because he wants to be a part of the MCU because, you know, he's the one really kind of that started the MCU with when he put out Iron Man and Iron Man 2. So I think that's but a really it, good thing. It's an industry. It's a business. So everybody has to get paid at the end of the day. You know what I mean? So well, yeah, I they get paid. Like, they get paid. It'd be but, interesting to know what they give him for his little role that he plays as Happy Hogan in the Spider-Man films. I wouldn't and, be surprised if he makes out pretty well. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does because he's, you know, are his he's very established in the MCU. So I'm sure he makes some good money. Uh, I noticed over the comments here we have somebody that's called the Claw Show. I oh, want to thank you for you. Want to thank you for uh, commenting tonight. Uh, he he or she wrote a couple wonderful little comments here that we'd like to uh, just talk about here for a second. Uh, he said he wrote Swingers, and then the favorite ep he, the far episode the favorite episode I'm guessing that's what he's talking about is the Sopranos top tier. So I mean, yeah, I I I, I would agree with that most definitely. I don't know about you guys. Do you guys agree with that comment there? That that one about the Sopranos. That's that's Grayson. That's Grayson and Deja from the uh, like the uh, the MMA podcast that like we're gonna collaborate with in the future or whatever. Okay. That's who he is. He. I'll tell you right now. This. Uh, you better watch out for this Kloss guy because he is a he's a he's a dirty motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> pardon my French. I'll tell you right now. You gotta watch out for this guy. <laughs> And then, my spelling is horrible. It's all good. We don't. We all don't write that great, uh, Mister Class. So we're all good here. It's all good. But yeah, he's just a, that, he's a funny thanks. guy. He's a funny guy, Cyber. You're going to enjoy meeting him. I, I can already tell just by his comments. So awesome! Thank you for being our comments there. Thank you for watching, sir. And uh, yeah, I you have that uh, promo already, Mister Jeff? Yes, I do. All right, let's watch it, people. Before we move on. Follow me. Enter the multiverse of infinite possibilities. Reality is not a straight line. Every passing moment is a chance for a new offshoot, a new variation. In fact, there are more realities than you can possibly fathom. An infinite number of what is. Stories you thought you knew are nothing like you remember. What if? Only on Disney Plus. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh what a promo! Oh, Just yeah. watching that little bit of promo, like, kind of got me going a little bit, man. Seeing Captain America as a zombie and everything, like, throwing down, like, with with uh, with Winter Soldier, dude. That yeah, that scene, that scene was great. He looked yeah. badass. And, like, I thought he looked badass in the whole episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. Most definitely, I agree. Because, I, I mean, actually, that kind of goes on with where we're going with this episode. So, so we kind of established we, you know... Bruce got in contact with the people that are survivors. They got together, so they start going on a mission, like I was saying, to find this a cure for this virus. They ba basically encounter Barton. They encounter Falcon. They encounter a few other of the Avengers that are zombified. They have fight sequences with them. That's unfortunately where we lose Happy Hogan. Uh, unfortunately, uh, where Sharon Carter has to use, reverse reuse the 
Iron Man thing on his face. Uh, and we continue on. They're in a train. And that's when we come across Zombie Cap, of course. And they, Becky and him have this really awesome battle. Uh, Sharon, unfortunately, gets turned by Cap. And then she basically eats uh, Wasp whole, kind of. She goes into her mouth. And unfortunately, when she comes out after exploding out of her, uh, she has a cut on her, though, which is basically be turning her into a zombie. So we have a lot of casualties going on in that those couple scenes, a lot of great action going on. And so basically then that's when Hope is like, I'm going to sacrifice myself for them. And then all of a sudden she turns gigantic to get them over to the compound that they're trying to get to. So what were your thoughts when all of a sudden she blasted through the top of the of the train because I wasn't expecting a giant like a giant man thing going on, but that ended up happening. I just thought it was so freaking awesome. What were your guys' thoughts on all of a sudden that happening? Starting with you, Perry. Yeah, that was that was uh, it was a great scene because it was like, do trains run on gas? I don't know no. why I never thought of that, no. but like I don't think they run on gas. They don't. <laughs> so that that part I was like. I was like, wait a second. And I don't know if they were just saying that to like, like as like a, like a metaphor for it just dying out on them. Um, I think that's what they were doing. But like, it just, it, I was like on my phone for like two seconds and they said that and I was like, wait a second. Um, but once the train dies, they, uh, they're obviously in front of that whole horde of zombies and they're like, how the hell are we going to do that? And then uh, Hope is like, oh, the only way to get over or the only way to get there is over. And she breaks through and she hands them over. And as she's like handing them over, she like, she does the whole dramatic, like fall, like the whole thing, the heroic, the heroic sacrifice. And it's great. It's, it's a great, uh, it's a great scene. You know, it's like her getting more, uh, more heroism out of, that character that we haven't seen a lot of, you know, we saw a little bit in Ant-Man, a lot more in Ant-Man and the Wasp, like a lot of more of that, like badassery. And then now uh, you see like the extent of what, like she's capable of doing everything Ant-Man can. And I think that's a really important like moment. And, uh, and it's, it's, it, it, it's proves that she, is going to be just as capable when she inevitably joins the Avengers as Ant-Man. And now you're going to have these, these two characters that were in the original Avengers finally come back and be a part of the Avengers as the duo that they're supposed to be, you know? So I think that was like a cool moment to like put that, put that key to get that train rolling. Ah, 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 good, good boy there. Yeah. Yeah, very <laughs> smart there, yeah, Perry. Yeah. I, I'm a genius. What can I say? Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so like that, I, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a good moment uh, for the Wasp. And it definitely, uh, it was like, and thematically, it's a very easy like thing for them to write in. But it also did a lot for the character. It was like an easy like, Oh, we'll just have her like carry them over and have her sacrifice herself. But it meant more for the character in in that regard too. So it was great. It was great. Nice. Yeah, I would agree. What about how about you, Jeff? What did you think? Well, it's kind of the same thing that Perry was saying. Um 
you know, like I, I love the part with the whole aspect of it being hope. That was the character that got hurt, you know, and, um, you know, like I, I, I love that character. I love hope. Um, you know, and I feel like, um, it was really fun seeing her be a part of the team. And, um, you know, like, like Perry was saying, uh, it was really cool seeing her enlarge herself and everything and whatnot, because at, at that point, I honestly think she got bigger than I ever saw Ant-Man ever get, you know, like at that point, you know what I mean? So like, you know, she like really got big there. Um, and she was so dutiful about wanting to like, you know, make something, you know, worth her life. Like even if she was going to die, it was very moving. It was one of the more moving, like, you know, aspects that kind of tugged at my heartstrings a little bit in the episode. And um, I thought it was really, really neat, again, that, like, Hawkeye pops up and he starts shooting arrows into people and stuff like that, like, all accurately, even though he's a zombie still. Like, I'm like, that, that just, like, blew me away. Um, Falcon flying around, like, um, you know, like, fighting and everything, like, with his wings and everything as a zombie. like. It was really, really, really cool. Like it was really fun to see, um, and seeing um, Black Panther laying there, like on that cot underneath the base and whatnot. Uh, have we not gotten to that that far yet? Or okay, we're I'll just getting there. to there. Okay, we're just getting um, to there. Okay, but um, no, um, I thought it was like uh, a really valiant thing. What like Hope eventually decided to do with the team and everything. It was very Avengers like to do that, you know, like, and again, there was this shared sense among everybody that like, they were willing to sacrifice their lives if they had to, to like achieve their goals. Yet they all seemed very like chill about it. Like, you know, cracking jokes and everything, which is like, that's very Marvel esque. So yeah, that's it. Very much so, very much so. Uh, we have another comment from the Klaus show. He says, what if Aunt May gets blasted instead of Uncle Ben goes on and goes on an old man rampage? Which actually is kind of funny because I actually just recently read that comic book and uh, about that what if uh, scenario. And that is actually a really cool like what if episode, I think. I think it would have been a really cool one if they did it on the show. I'm not sure if they're going to or not. But if they do, that, that'll be really awesome. Uh, but I thought that was a really cool concept. Like, what if it was an Uncle Ben that died? It was Aunt May that died. You know, how would that change Peter's dynamic? How would that change his, you know, his path as Spider-Man and everything? And uh, I think that makes a huge impact. And so I think that's a, a really good little comment there, uh, the class show, because I think that's... Uh, a episode they should eventually do if they don't do it in this season, but in season two. I think that would be a really cool episode to go with. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, Perry, starting with you. Yeah, that would be that would be I mean with this episode they show that they can they can be pretty uh they can be pretty violent and show like the gore a little bit. And uh so I think that that uh I don't think that that's too far fetched. And I think it'd be interesting if that happened. And then they also added in like, uh, like maybe the Punisher joins and maybe he joins forces with the Punisher to like, 
go on this rampage of killing like the criminals and all that stuff. That'd be dude. If Punisher had been a part of that team in that episode, that would have been freaking like sick. Yeah, that would have been that would have been really cool. But I think they have to. I think they have to introduce him in live action first before they introduce him. Introduce Let, let's him face it. If you animation. add Punisher to any equation, it's a good situation. Yeah. <laughs> True. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So moving on. So. So, you know, Hope has uh, now gotten them across to that courtyard and, uh, and, you know, sacrificed herself and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, who pops up? None other than Vision. All of a sudden, Vision's a part of this. And I was like, holy crap, Vision. I'm like, this is awesome. And so we we get Vision and he talks about how he is supposed to come up a way of curing people with the Mind Stone. And so they go into the base and they're talking and stuff like that. And that's when we all of a sudden find that. Paul Rudd, a.k.a. Ant-Man, is still alive in just a head. <laughs> so when he pops up in just a head, I started cracking up so hard. I'm like, are you kidding me? What is this, like, the man with two heads or something going on here? And so, like, he's like, he's like, pardon me, and he, like, starts saying all these head jokes. I started cracking up so hard at this. So my question for you guys is, what did you think about all of a sudden that Paul Rudd's character, Ant-Man, popping up there being just the head? And those puns. Uh, what were your guys' thoughts? So, starting with you, Perry. Yeah, that was great. I mean, it's like the perfect Paul Rudd like moment of him just being himself in that character. You know, he's known as uh, like when he does like talk shows and stuff as being like telling dad jokes and like being that guy. So it was perfect for him to like use that and. Uh, it was just, it was fun. It, 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 like, it was another moment of, like, breaking the tension with, like, that humor. And he does it for the rest of the episode. Um, so it's, like, uh, it, it's just one of those things where it was, it was another, like, moment of it being, uh, like, a break in the chaos, which was good. Completely agree there, yeah, most definitely. How about you, Jeff? What did you think about the Paul Rudd, a.k.a. Ant-Man head thing. Well, the first thing I thought of was an episode of Family Guy where Ted Williams is on the show and he's just a head in like a, uh, in like a, a globe or whatever with water. And like he goes to prison and he's like, oh, man, this is the exact situation I didn't want to be in, just being a head, like with his cellmate or whatever, like in the, in the, in the jail. Like, and that's what I thought of, which it's, which is pretty funny. That's a pretty funny family guy episode. Um, but, um, uh, basically I, I thought it was funny. I mean, it was typical Ant-Man like, you know, I mean, um, it was kind of off the wall. Like it was kind of stupid in a way, but like, there's nothing wrong with being kind of stupid sometimes. Um, and you know, I mean, um, I felt like, uh, you know, I, like I was surprised that Vision was still alive. Like it didn't occur to me that Vision would still be around, but it kind of makes sense if you think about it. And it occurred to me before it actually happened that, of course, like Vision wouldn't be able to let Wanda die. You know what I mean? Like it, he just never would. Very true. Very true. I totally agree there. So, like, <clears throat> so after that, then we had basically, uh, you know, Bucky decides I want he's going to go look for a transportation. And, you know, Vision kind of gives a weird look and, you know, says something kind of weird. And you're kind of like, hmm, there's something going on here with Vision. But so as Bucky goes and searches, that's when all of a sudden he comes he comes on and, like, 
all of a sudden we get introduced to T'Challa, aka Black Panther, and he is missing a leg. So when that all of a sudden popped up, I was like, holy crap, they're going really dark here with this. They have T'Challa, who not only is played by still Chuck Bozeman, he still did the voiceover for this episode. They have them have one leg, and I was kind of like, ooh, <laughs> he just died from cancer, and they have him amputated. This is, you know, kind of, kind of creepy in a sense of way, but at the same time, you're like, oh, holy crap, he's still alive, but he's missing a leg, and I was just like, holy crap. Uh, so, what were your guys' thoughts on on all of a sudden uh, Black Panther popping up? Starting with you, Perry. Yeah, that it was. It, it's. It was great that we got to see him again and have Chadwick Boseman come back and do like that. He was able to do the voice again. Oh yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it's just another <coughs> just another moment of like Black Panther just having that presence that no other uh, character has, even in. I, I think we all had that, Perry. I think we all got that vibe like during the episode. In a way, you know, we all in our own way like kind of got that. You know, like wow, it's great to see. Chadwick Boseman again, you know what I mean? It's really, you know, like, uh, it's very powerful. Yeah. And, uh, he even has that moment, uh, like later in the episode on the ship, um, where he talks about how not all those are gone. Like not all those who are like when your death isn't the last part, like they're like, everybody's still with you and all that stuff. And that, that was where I was like, Oh my God. Like the, like, like they really, uh, they really did something there, you know. They really, uh, they were really like he was. He was. It's like he was. It, it it felt like they knew, and he said that line knowing that it would like kind of comfort his fans in the future, and that kind of like idea was really like it kind of like brings you out of it, like keeps you in it, you know. But uh, yeah, that was it was. Like I said, it's just it was great to like have Black Panther again in there and be able to have that character in a story again. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, how about you, Jeff? What did you think about uh, all of a sudden when T'Challa popped up? I was surprised, and I didn't expect to see T'Challa. I didn't expect to see Black Panther um, at all. And um. When I saw his leg was missing, obviously the first connection I made was like they're they're cut he's cutting him up and feeding him to like the zombies or whatever, you know, because I wasn't sure what the hell was going on at that point down there. Like I knew something wasn't right, you know, obviously something was not right. Um, I was really kind of like uh riveted, like trying to figure out like what the hell was going on with vision, like where things were going with this whole situation, like what, where this, the, what direction the story was going in. And, um, then like seeing black Panther was awesome. Having him be a part of the show, even though he was wounded was awesome. But, um, the, what really got in my head was imagining Scarlet witch as a zombie, like with all her power, and like powers and everything, like how how crazy that could be. Most definitely, yeah. That's you know, that's all of a sudden we find out. We also see that you find that Scarlet Witch is down there too after seeing coming across T'Challa himself. 
And, you know, basically they go back up and the, start talking to Vision again. And Vision's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm doing this and that and stuff like that, trying to keep her alive because she's the love of my life, this kind of thing. And then kind of just escalates from there. And she actually breaks free. And then they have kind of like an all-out war almost with her. And, you know, that's when we, you know, get kind of just this tremendous, you know, Bucky, you know, sacrifices himself. And then, you know, uh, the Hulk all of a sudden finally comes out out of his shell again, you know, starts beating up the zombies and, you know, fighting Wanda so that she's distracted, you know, to allow them to get away. And so as we keep going on, we got this awesome battle going on. It's like that Hulk, you know, finally reemerges, you know, you know, and, you know, he hasn't, you know, had that same defeat he had. Um, you know, twice, like in the uh, regular movies that we've seen, and he only had the one, I guess, with Thanos, because that's where, you know, he ends up getting thrown down at the beginning of the episode, because he's been beaten by Thanos, and, uh, so, you know, basically, they have that go on, they are trying to get away, and then the episode kind of ends weirdly, because it ends up, they're going to Wakanda, Black Panther, you know, Paul Rudd's character, and, you know, Spider-Man, the only three that have survived, and all of a sudden, you get a zombified Thanos. Holy crap. I was like, oh. I was like, I couldn't believe it. So, so to end this episode, one last question before we move on to a, a, another little segment to round out our show. Uh, what were your thoughts on seeing zombie Thanos? What were you guys' thoughts? So starting with you, Perry. Yeah, that was... Uh, so I was kind of... Um... Like where I noticed that the like the, obviously that the episode was starting to feel like it was ending, and I was like, there f- it felt like a resolution, but it also like all these episodes don't feel like there's like an actual resolution, and like you get the sense that like things will continue, like you get the sense that you're just watching this like snippet of this story, you know, um, because we get our our version of the MCU and the universe that we're watching it kind of thing. We've seen the beginning and end of every story that they're telling but it with these ones we're just seeing like a snippet of it you know so seeing that kind of like this part of the story play out and then the watcher coming in and talking about like the implication of what it means for the rest of the universe like the universe in this act this version of it it and then thanos comes up and he's a zombie and i'm like okay like are we gonna get a part two to this like can we get a little like yeah Um, exactly yeah and it it makes it interesting too because like we said like a lot of these avengers not only like even if they did get the cure and they cured everybody half of the the like half of the avengers team like got beheaded or like exploded or like (laughs) you know like they're dead dead like they're not just zombies they're dead dead yeah (laughs) like captain america got chopped in half like i don't think i don't think iron man lost his head yeah exactly it's like um so i think that part of it would have been really interesting to see how after a zombie apocalypse they recover from that and then come back and like have to fight Thanos again because that would be like hmm how do you plan on doing that this time yeah, most definitely. How about you, Jeff? What did you uh, think about all of a sudden the zombie Thanos popping up? Well, I mean, I can't. I'm trying to imagine how it would work, like in this universe, like with these type of zombies. That, like, I mean, why would a zombie Thanos still want to like get the Infinity Stones? You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, that's like way too like much 
intellectual activity for a zombie to be like, you know, doing um, like, like as a zombie, don't you just basically want to like eat whatever, like random person or like being that like pops up in front of you. I mean, like you're not planning anything out like, like large scale or whatever. So, um, so like, I mean, he wouldn't be like still wanting to kill half the population or anything like that. I wouldn't think that wouldn't like, that wouldn't override his zombie self or like zombie, like, you know, desires or whatever. But again, my thing, my take on it was just, again, that like, I don't know, we'll see what happens with the rest of what if, but I think this might be for me, probably what I think is going to end up being the, the, the one episode that totally sells me on the concept that they could do this live action one time in a film or whatever. And it would be, it would be massive. It would be massive and it would be fun too. It would be really, really, really different. And like, let's be honest here. At this point, it's becoming very clear that Kevin Feige wants to take chances. Like they want to do different stuff and like try different shit and see what sticks and what doesn't like. Um, and they've created the kind of wiggle room where they can do that and they can afford to swing in this. And like, this is a sure thing. Like, don't get me wrong, guys. You both know there's a lot of sure things in the MCU and the Marvel, Marvel universe. Like there's more sure things than there are like, you know, duds, you know what I mean? Like to work with, like in the MCU, but, um, this like whole concept with, I mean, of course you could do anything with a what if episode, like movie, you know what I mean? You could go any direction, but I think if you were going to do it and do it right, you would have to have the Avengers involved in this, this type in some way, kind of like the way they did in this episode. And I feel like, um, there's people out there who really believe that, Kevin Feige and Marvel want to eventually tie this what if series into like the live action in some way. Maybe it's going to be on a small scale. Maybe it's going to be on a larger scale. We'll see what happens, but I'm telling you right now, I mean, um, I don't see how, how you, how you lose if you decided to do a live action, um, you know, uh, Avengers zombies, you know, like two and a half hour movie with like this kind of premise. <laughs> I mean, it would be literally, it would be huge. Totally agree. Be a, that'd be a billion dollar movie for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I, I agree there. Like you would definitely have um, a billion dollar movie on hand. I, I think yeah, that would, would be a huge success. It would be dramatic as hell too, because people would be dying left and right and everything. You know what I mean? Like people would be crying. Yep. 100%, 100%. Totally agree there. I mean, it, it, it'd be interesting just to see, you know, how they could fit it into the MCU timeline, too. Like, with, you know, like, I guess that's where the multiverse could come in, you know, where they said, oh, this is like an offshoot of the multiverse that could have happened. You know, so, I mean, with the multiverse becoming a huge part of the MCU now, I mean, that is a very big possibility that they could end up doing that. So you never know. Yeah, why not, Cyber? Like, I mean, as like just doing it as like a special project in Mar like a Marvel Studios special project, a special feature, doing something different, a one-off thing that's only going to happen. It's not, this is the only time it's ever going to happen. We're going to do a what if full-scale movie, you know, like uh, you know, it could be the zombie, you know, deal or whatever, you know, and 
Um, you know, I'm telling you, people. I mean, listen. It's like we talked about before cyber. If you if you took if you got the Avengers and and just had them on video washing their hair, I would watch that shit and enjoy it. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. I would too. I definitely would too. So, <clears throat> so that is it for this episode of What If, guys. So, thank you for listening to us talk about it. So, me and Mr. Jeff Sabota talked about earlier, uh, and my other cohort, of Mr. Perry, we are going to do a little segment just to kind of segue away from the MCU a little bit here uh, and talk about some reviews on the upcoming Dune movie. So we're going to get right into that and uh, kind of go over that. So, Jeff, you have some uh, uh, some awesome comments for us, sir. I do. And let me just go ahead and, and set the premise that I am, like, the big, huge Dune fan, like, out of the group here, like, out of the team. Um, but um, I know for a fact that Perry does know Dune, about Dune pretty well. And cyber, you're like, like day by day, like you're learning more and more about Doom. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. I got to give cyber credit. Um, like he's actually a nice enough guy that when I throw up Doom videos on Rizzle and stuff like that, he watches them and enjoys them, which is great. Um, you, I mean, you tell me, cyber. Uh, that guy that makes those those videos is really good, isn't he? Oh, he's so good. I mean, he he, he he's like a brother to me. So, you know, and he like, you know, I watch his stuff on the regular because he's just so awesome. And, uh, you know, he knows all he knows about Dune. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed by him, I think. The Dune universe is very interesting. So basically, okay, this is off of Rotten Tomatoes. This is what we have to start with as far as these Dune reviews. Um, okay, from Philip D. Semyon, time out, top critic. Okay, technically it doesn't have an ending, and not everyone will get along with the levels of patience Villanueva demands of his audience, but those who do will be rewarded with precise storytelling, visual fireworks, and some God-level world-building. I love to hear that. I love world-building. Like, the, the, the more the better. You know? I don't know mm-hmm. about you guys, but if, if, it's, if that's the kind of movie it's going to be, that's my shit. It's um, definitely, it's definitely a a really positive review. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, Dune is such a huge uh, concept, anyways, because yes. I mean, since its inception, you know, from when the first book was released, and then you know, of course, in the eighties, we got the first film version of it. You know, a little bit later on, about twenty years later, we got a TV version of it, and so this is like the third time we're seeing a reiteration of the film. Uh, coming out, and so, I mean, that world-building comment is a really interesting comment because, you know, it really is a gigantic world to talk about. So, I mean, all the different aspects of what's going on in the Dune world, what is involved with what the people are going through, what they have to do in order to get to that climax of what they're looking for, searching for, uh, that is a world building type of deal so i mean the fact that this person mentioned that it's a world building film that's a good sign that there's a lot of good story to this film and that they really put a lot of effort into bringing the dune world to the big screen again maybe give us something different that elaborates more on what they didn't talk about in the other versions 
and give us an even more and more better film. I think the technology and the special effects and everything just wasn't there back in the 80s for them to be able to pull off Dune in like a realistic way that was believable to watch. Like if you watch some of like that, that 80s Dune one, um, uh, it, it, some of the CGI and like the special effects are horrible. <coughs> They're stupid as hell. Like they look really dumb. Um, now again, this is like 1980 or whatever, but um, I feel like uh, essentially Villanueva is a great director. I mean, everything he's done has been really great. Um, he's really good at the whole world building concept. And just think about it. Dune is so massive that all these two movies are going to end up being is just covering the first novel of Dune. There's six novels that cover like the entire story of Dune from start to finish. And we're talking about like, you want to talk about world building on a grand scale. We're talking about like passages of time throughout the six novels where we're dealing with like 10,000, 15,000 years passing by. Um, okay. So from David Jenkins, little white lies, top critic in the main, it's a stately film exacting and elliptical more in a slow release tradition of David lean than the candy coated Insta high of the MCU. That's a little bit like too highbrow for me. Um, Stephanie Zacharek time magazine Dune is sluggish in places. My eyes glazed over during one or two or maybe three of the battle scenes, but Villanueva's conviction counts for a lot. Um, I don't agree with this already. I can tell you right now from the premise. Clarisse Loray, independent from the UK, top critic. The casting choice is poor. It's a small but noticeable chip in the paint when it comes to Dune, a work that's otherwise of such intimidating grandeur that it's hard to believe it even exists in the first place. Well, that's a hell of a freaking review right there because she flipped the script on that one. It starts off with like the cast sucks to like this movie is like legendary. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's kind of strange at and that at the same time interesting like their thought process on yeah. the film. You the know casting what I mean? Choice is poor. It's a yeah. small but noticeable chip in the paint when it comes to Dune, a work that's otherwise of such intimidating grandeur that it's hard to believe it even exists in the first place. Like that they even made it. Yeah, like it. It just it's it's. I think. I think with a lot of that, I think it, it just comes off like it's. She's just basically saying, yeah, the some of the characters seem like they don't necessarily fit with who's playing them, but the story itself is such a big scale that it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the characters are powerful. Right. The, uh, the individual characters are very powerful. It's a very powerful, very emotional, very dramatic, very graphic and violent story. Um, you know, that deals with religion and deals with drug use and deals with, you know, um, alien creatures like sandworms and shit. I don't care, man. Like, um, if when you watch those Dune trailers and you see the sandworm in the Dune trailer, it's ridiculous. I mean, isn't just the concept of the sandworms like interesting to you guys? 
yeah it's it's a really cool like and and what's funny too is it it, it reminds me of um like this creature in star wars but the creature from star wars was probably <laughs> like modeled after the description in the books by frank herbert because that was written in like 54 or 64 or something yeah and uh so it's just like it, it's really interesting to see those parallels and then being like oh that's it from from an outside perspective it kind of looks like like dunes ripping off like the star wars and making it more dramatic and gritty and all this shit but in reality dune came before most it's the opposite yeah. yeah and although like a lot of star wars is um like different versions of like the uh like the seven samurai like the 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 walk of the hero kind of thing um a lot of the aesthetic was was taken from uh flash gordon and dune like yes. <laughs> so you get yeah. these interesting like back and forth between uh these two different radically different uh sci-fi adventures and uh so it, it'll be really cool to see like dune come to fruition and get that kind of attention that it deserves dune is so impactful on the sci-fi landscape overall that i feel like i don't think that there's a a, sci- a sci-fi movie that's been made in the last like 50 years that wasn't influenced in some way by dune you know i mean I can tell you one thing. I, I like, I already, um, I ordered my book, my first Dune book. It's on the way. I ordered it from a used books online website that I go on to all the time. Um, and I'm really looking forward to reading it because everybody that I know who's read it, they're really passionate about it. You know what I mean? Like I'm passionate about it. I never read a book, one of the books. I can only imagine what it's like to actually put the time in and read one of these damn things and then really get into it. Um, I don't know about you guys, but in my experience, usually overall, the books are usually always better than the movies that are made out of the books. Yeah, nine times out of 10. <laughs> I mean, it's rare that that it's the opposite. It's very rare. There are times yeah. when it's happened, but, um, you know, I, like I can tell you, um, you know, like one that I can think of right off the bat that's a good example would be The Lincoln Lawyer with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yep. Really, really, really good book. The movie was not that great. It was not all that great. I'll be honest with you. Um, but no, like as far as Doom goes, um, back to the reviews. Steve Pond, the rap top critic, a formidable cinematic accomplishment, a giant mood piece that can be exhilarating in his dark beauty. Um, Diego Garcia, Cinemania, Spain. Always moving between extremes, Dune plays to make us osculate between the, the hypnosis of its visions and the tachycardia of its action scenes. What the hell does that mean? I have no idea what tachycardia is. Um, tachycardia, really, people? Yeah, I don't know anything <laughs> about that. I don't know anything about that. But tachycardia yeah, is, is a medical term. Yeah, it's an exhilarating. It, it's something that causes your heartbeat to uh, increase. Okay, Dune, first reviews from Rotten Tomatoes. The breathtaking adaptation fans have been waiting for. Critics say Denny Villanueva's new take on Frank Herbert's classic novel is a nuanced, well-acted feast for the eyes and ears, even if it only leaves viewers wanting more. So Can't ask for more than that. <laughs> no. Not at all. 
Eric Eisenberg cinema blend. Denny Villeneuve's movie is a film interpretation that fans have been waiting to see for decades. Uh, ben Travis, Empire Magazine, for science fiction devotees, especially those who have long worshipped Frank Herbert's dense tome. Villanueva's Dune is the adaptation you've always dreamed of. Um, Jimmy O, Joe Blow's Movie Emporium. It honors the source material in the most satisfying way possible. Dune 2021 is a modern-day work of art. Enough said. Like, I mean, you know, um, I think that I don't think there's really much else, much else to put out there. If you guys have any last remarks on like this whole Dune, you know, thing, um, they're actually like, believe it or not, there's a guy on the podcast of champions that I like record with on the weekends and stuff. He's in the Netherlands and Dune comes out next week for them. Hmm. Oh shit. Yeah. Wow, that's, even, that's like, yeah, yeah. Next week. Isn't that weird? That's like a, yeah, that's like almost well, no, not really, because a lot of the times Europe gets the movies before we do. So oh, okay. that's not it's not shocking. Yeah. We always we're always the last to get films released versus any other country. A lot of them like sometimes sometimes we'll get it and then one other country that hasn't gotten already will get it. But majority of the time most movies come out over in Europe before they come out here. So Well, I feel like what it boils down to it. The trailers are very were very important with Dune in terms of like roping people in that don't know anything about Dune. Like, you know, that's their first impression or their first taste of the Dune universe. And, you know, I mean, I could have played the Dune trailer. It's really good. I really enjoy it. I know you guys have seen it, too. Um, it is a really good trailer. It's very powerful. Um, it, the, the movie looks gigantic. It looks huge. But, I mean, it's going to boil down to how well they've promoted it and um, you know how effective those trailers ended up being when it comes to the younger audience because you got to figure it's the same audience that went to see Shang-Chi for the most part that they're going to be relying on to go see Dune. Yep. Completely agree. Completely agree people there. Yeah. Try to ride that wave that people yeah. are going to see movies right now. Well, that actually segues really easily. And obviously <clears throat> I'll set this up for you, Cyber. This segues very nicely into our final segment because Perry and I and, and Cyber and I were, were both talking personally about this in the last couple of days. The fact that I think that the reason that they decided to release uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage early is because of Shang-Chi. I would agree. Most definitely, yes. So our final segment tonight, folks, it will be going to show you the trailer, the, the second trailer of Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And we're going to discuss it a little bit, uh, a little bit for you guys, and then that's how we'll close the show for you guys tonight. Uh, this movie, I've been waiting for it since Venom One came out because I absolutely loved Venom. It was such an amazing film. So this one looks just as good. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what Andy Serkis, uh, as a director, is changes it up from the first film that we got from the awesome director Scott Rubin. So it'll be interesting to see what he does, but this trailer is awesome, so we're going to put it up for you guys. Uh, Mr. Jeff. I've got two trailers, actually, if that's okay with you guys. I've got the first one, and I've got the second one. Awesome. Hi, everyone, and in this world, this is Carnage. Lady, we should be out there snacking on bad guys. I am a predator. I need to be free. 
You have got to get control of your aggression, or you will get hauled off into Area 51. You live in my body. You live by my rules. I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. Please, let me fix it. So I can bring it again. You are a loser. Eddie Brock, I want to give you my story. People love serial killers. Cletus, why me? What's mine is yours. And what's yours is mine. I have tasted blood before, and that is not it. serious couples counseling. I say either, I say either, I say neither, and I say neither, neither, either. Neither, neither. Let's call the whole thing off. Ta-da! Catch up. Excuse me. Yummy. Good evening, Eddie. Hey, Mrs. Chen. Good evening, Venom. Function hall, Mrs. Chen. He says hi. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. I've been thinking about you, eh? Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number. Because you and I are the same. Every decision we ever make. Who do we leave behind? How do we leave them? Waiting in the darkness for the rescuer who never comes. Welcome back, Eddie Brock. It's been a long time. Miss you so much.
Delivery hasn't arrived yet. No! We had a deal. What's gonna happen? You gonna stop protecting me? I am happy to eat, Mrs. Chen! No, no, you cannot eat, Mrs. Chen. What? Nothing? Woo! Oh my god. Those movie this movie looks like it's gonna be absolutely amazing. As the first one was, uh, freaking Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock has been a really great, uh, you know, production. I think he's amazing as the character. I wasn't too sure about him until I saw the first one, and then it, the performance he did in the first one, I was just really impressed with him. And so I'm waiting to see what he brings again to this table because he just was like so awesome the first film, and just the whole. I love the dynamic of how they brought him and Venom together in the film and just, like, how they work together. And uh, this movie, the second one, looks like it's just going to be just as good um, and even better with, you know, getting introduction to Carnage, too, as well. And uh, it's an interesting concept that they're bringing into it to where Cletus basically becomes Carnage by biting Eddie, who somehow, I guess, when he bited it, bit him and got his blood, apparently some of the symbiote from Venom went into him, and that's what creates him into Carnage, it looks like. That's my take on what it's going to be going by. So, this definitely looks great. I, you know, what did you think, Perry? Yeah, so, I am, I am, uh, I, I liked the first one. I, uh, I'm not as high on it as you are. I I think that Tom Hardy did a great job and the movie the movie to me was like fun and I had a good time watching it and uh so I am excited for the second one because I thought the first one was like a fun exciting movie you know it it felt like what it was supposed to be you know it's venom like becoming the main character which we haven't seen in live action obviously in a in a good way <laughs> <laughs> and uh so it, that that portion of it is is fun and the dynamic that they're setting up for the second one you know where you're walking into the more of the relationship rather than them like meeting you know it's it and like becoming one thing it's like now it's like a the odd couple sort of situation which is really it's it, it's gonna be fun having that dynamic and so and uh yeah with carnage being added in um it opens up a really crazy door of whether or not these characters are going to be integrated into the MCU at some point, which would be even crazier because watching Spider-Man and Venom have to defeat like Carnage and other symbiotes <laughs> would be, it, it would be a lot of fun, especially since Tom Hardy is such a phenomenal actor and he does really well this role. And, uh, so I'm excited for this. Um, even if for me it's it's 
it, it's more of the the fun, you know. Like I don't with a lot of people, they go into they went into Venom expecting like something with like ha- how the MCU does things, and it's like that's that's not what this is. Like that's not what it's supposed to be. That's not what it's trying to be. It's very much trying to be its own thing, and I think it did a really good job being its own thing. So now with the second one, it's great that they are making a second one because I feel like, especially when you're looking at like Morbius, which is a similar kind of uh, situation where they're taking a character that was, is not a extremely popular character in a mainstream way. And um, that one, I'm still, I'm not sold on that one, but uh, I, it'll be fun. I'm fun. It, 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 I'm just going in into this one, just doing the same thing I did with the first one, just going to enjoy it enjoy it for what it is as like a venom action movie with Tom Hardy being <laughs> a crazy guy with two personalities, it seems, you know, and, uh, uh, it'll be, it'll be good. I think it's going to be good. I, Andy circus is Andy circus and he, he's a great actor. He's done well with writing. He's done pretty well with directing. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with this one and especially adding Woody Harrelson in there. Like Woody Harrelson's obviously the, the, uh, the OG legend kind of thing. So um, I, I think that'll be great. And like I said, like people trying to say, Oh, it's not, it's not as good as the MCU. It's like, well, it's not trying to be the MCU. It's trying, you know, it's trying to be its own thing, which it's doing well being its own thing because it's very distinctively different. And uh, so for that, I, I like it because it's, it's, it's still Marvel, but it's not the Marvel that we get all the time. You know, it's a different type of Marvel and it, that's, that's what makes it fun to do. You know, that's what makes it fun to watch and it's like indulge in like these different characters that don't get the same kind of spotlight. So, um, yeah, I think the 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 trailers set that tone, and I think that I'm 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 excited for it. Like I like I said, I'm not I the first one I wa- I've watched a few times and I enjoy it every time I watch it. And I'm not like a crazy like I'm not like crazy into it as much as like some people are as you are cyber. Like you really like it, and I really liked it. Um, but I'm I'm just excited to enjoy it. Like that's that's where I'm at. I'm just excited to enjoy it. You know. Yep. Yep. I can, I understand. I completely agree. How about you, Jeff? Well, I'm going to completely contrast you, Perry, and this is why I'm glad to have you back because it's nice to be able to bounce off of you, like uh, in in our dialogue here in our discussion. Um. Okay. First of all, Perry, uh, don't think for one second that. Everybody in the whole industry wants to be like Marvel Studios. They do. They want to do. They want to do things just like Marvel Studios. They want the same success and the same. Like they, they, they see what Marvel Studios is doing. Well, success is different than the style. I'm talking about like the style. It's the gold standard. What Marvel Studios is doing is like it's it's like record setting everything they touch. You know what I mean? So like at that point. I think they're there. I, th- I think that uh, I get where you're coming from. I do like, of course they had to go in a different direction because again, it's not a part of the MCU. So like it's a part of the, what they call the um, what is it? The, uh, the Sony Spider-Man universe. I think that's what they want it to be called now, which is actually not so bad to, to say, but um, Spimu. There, 
they're limited. Like they're limited in what they can do and what they they can't do. And let's be honest here. We all know you don't have to be a comic book fan to know this. All right. I'll tell you right now, when I was a kid, I had like five different Spider-Man comic books at one time. Like I had five subscriptions to five different Spider-Man comic books. That's how popular Spider-Man was. And like I watched and read all of the Venom Carnage stuff and everything as a kid and whatnot. And um, there's, I don't care what they do with this movie. There, it, it, there's no way it can be as good as it would be if they had Spider-Man involved. You know what I'm saying? It's that simple. Like Spider-Man makes things better, just like the Punisher. Throwing the Punisher into any equation, for me anyway, at least as a fan, makes shit better. Like I like the Punisher. But Spider-Man, everybody loves Spider-Man. I mean, look at the freaking um, record-setting trailer views on YouTube for the Spider-Man 3 trailer. Like, more than Endgame, more than Infinity War. Like, come on, man. Like, I love Spider-Man, but I'm not like a freaking fanboy for Spider-Man. But there's a lot of damn people out there that love the crap out of Spider-Man. Like, he's like, you know, Cyber, you know how addicted I am to watching those trailer reaction videos all the time and everything? I watch those videos all the time and you look at people's faces during like the infinity war trailers and everything. And the biggest like smiles and like the most excitement that you saw from everybody in the reactions is when you see Peter Parker, Spider-Man, like that's it. Like they're like, ah, they're freaking the hell out and everything. You know, they're like excited for captain America. They're excited for iron man, but then Spider-Man pops up and they're like, oh man, like their arms are moving their arms and everything. So I'm just saying like, um, I guess where I'm going with this is just that I'm skeptical about the direction that Sony is going with this whole Spider-Man universe and everything. Um, I'm not trying to say that I think that, that they should have just like given Spider-Man back to friggin' like Marvel Studios and Disney or something like that and been like, here you go. You guys can make better movies with, with like these characters than we can. So we're going to give, we're just going to give this to you, you know, like a hell no, of course not. Um, but I do think there's a reality where depending on, on, again, who Sony hires to direct the films, to cast the films, to, to write these stories and everything and whatnot, I think that um, I think that basically what they, what they have to work with, the Spider-Man universe, those characters that all those villains, those, you know, like, um, allies like Morbius that fit into that Spider-Man collective or whatever that they have to work with, they're limited. And, um, you know, I'm really like sick. I'm, I'm kind of like a little bit like over, over like tired of like them just not telling us what the hell they're going to do. Sony and like Marvel, like, or, or whatever, you know, I don't know how the negotiations are now. I don't know if it's Sony versus Disney or still Sony and Marvel or whatever, but did they not like start working on like another sharing agreement for Tom Holland like last year or something like that? And then I never heard anything about it again. We yeah, thought we had talked about that. Yeah. I, I mean, it, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Basically from what I read, what I've seen um, is that they had been talking again, like shortly before the, the third Spider-Man was supposed to come out. The contract that was with Tom Holland was going to end, but they were already in talks for another negotiation for another set of films. Yeah. And 
um, from my understanding, where the direction that they were going and what they were saying in all the articles I have seen is that eventually how what they want to do is that they want to take the Tom Holland Spider-Man that Marvel has established, put it into their Sony-verse films to, to interconnect the MCU with their, uh, their, their MCU version. And so eventually Venom will pop up, eventually Morbius will pop up, um, that's why in Morbius we end up seeing Michael Keaton's Vulture character. Because they have actually, from my understanding, they said they've already came to another agreement, that they have already processed it, that but they haven't officially stated what exactly it was. So you think it was all planned already, Cyber? You think that that like the reason why we saw um, the Vulture in the Morbius trailer is because they've already worked something out? I gotta let my dog out real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah, I think the like with this stuff, it's it to me. I don't get, I don't get hung up on like throwing like characters from the MCU in there. Like, I feel like that. I don't know. I just don't. I don't set myself up for that expectation anytime soon in that in the in the grand scheme of it like i'm i'm always like in my mind going okay it'd be cool if like these connect in the future but um the way that i think they do it is more important than doing it like sooner rather than later just because of like people saying oh we need spider-man in here because it's going to make a lot of money on this movie so like, yeah, but like short term, long term, it doesn't. Do you, do you Perry? Do you think that they will? Do you think we'll see Venom and Carnage, or like, or like Venom and Morbius at the like, and at the end, and cameos on Spider in Spider Man Three? No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. I mean, it's it's possible, but I wouldn't. I don't know what the point would be. You know, like it, the the thing is, is they've already set up like all these things that are happening in like the Venom, the Venom universe, like the last movie. Um, Morbius is going to have its have its own thing going on. Like there, there hasn't there hasn't been any connective tissue, so they would have to do a lot of backtracking um, and maybe in a multiverse situation, they can explain it. Um, but I don't see that happening this soon. I could be wrong, obviously. It just, it, I, I don't think that it's going to happen, especially when, when they were directing and writing these movies, um, they didn't have the deal written in stone, you know, maybe the vulture in Morbius was with the last deal, you know, because it, it was supposed to come out earlier, um, that maybe that was part of the last deal. And cause that, that trailer came out before, uh, the third Spider-Man was even like said, okay, this is when it's going to come out. Like, even if you're looking at pre COVID situations where they announced dates, the Morbius trailer came out before the, that even happened. So in my mind, that was part of like the last deal is getting the vulture in there to kind of tease things. And then they had the whole dispute 
and back and forth about where Spider-Man was going to land and if they could come to an agreement and uh, the whole discussion on whether or not that was real or not, um, or if that was just for press and to get attention towards it and that both of these companies look like they're in it for the fans and that they really wanted to work this out for the fans, like the whole nine yards, you can get into like a whole thing about that. Um, but well, well, hold on. Let me ask you a question then. And you too, cyber. Do you think it's a possibility that there actually could be something worked out between Sony and Marvel studios where like both sides come to the agreement that the best thing for the fans would be to put something together where, Venom it becomes a part of the MCU and so does Morbius and like Spider-Man crosses over into the Sony verse and everything so that we can actually get that Venom Spider-Man team up versus Carnage like the comic books have, you know, that whole premise where like, you know, like, I mean, Venom can't beat Carnage in the comics by himself. It's with Spider-Man that he's able to actually like, you know, fight back against Carnage. Um, and then overall, it took the Avengers to like actually like catch carnage and like put him away. You know what I mean? Um, so do you think it's possible that like th that I could see Kevin Feige and Marvel studios being like, you know what? We'll give up a couple hundred million dollars to make this work for the fans. Or do you, think I mean, honestly, money, or do you think the money is, is just more important? And all honesty, when they were negotiating uh, back in 2019 after Spider-Man Far From Home came out, they already had put into the process Spider-Man 3. They had already had a plan already to make it because with, when they made the deal with Tom Holland for three films, they already had what they were going to do. Morbius, now the trailer came out in late 2019, so right before COVID hit. And so Morbius was supposed to come out, you know, in June of 2020, and then it ended up getting pushed several times now, now not coming out until January of next year. Now, Morbius was actually filmed in 2019. So <clears throat> when those negotiations were all taken in and Michael Keaton was approached to play the Vulture again, that whole connection with the MCU was their primary purpose of making Morbius. Morbius is to connect the MCU and the Sonyverse together. They said that in all their press junket, like when they were making negotiations and all that kind of stuff. They stated that. Um, that's the reason why, because like after the trailer came out, everyone kept asking why the hell is you know the Vulture in the Morbius trailer? Why is Michael Keaton in it? And so Sony came out with a statement stating that that was their plan of connecting the MCU to the uh sonyverse yes jeff tyrese came out remember like three times or two times tyrese gibson came out and said flat out on like podcasts or whatever like in interviews this is going to be in the mcu we're gonna this is gonna this movie's gonna be in the mcu yes i do remember that too being a part of like confirming that that's what sony was trying to do that's why it took so long for sony and marvel to come to agreement because sony wanted to be a part of the mcu and that's the reason why their negotiations have changed and why they altered so much is because Marvel at first really didn't want the, the Sony-verse to be a part of the MCU, but in order to get Spider-Man, they had to make that agreement. So that's kind of why these, uh, you know, these kind of secretive agreements are kind of secret is because Marvel really doesn't want the Sony-verse to really be attached to it, but at the same time, they have to in order to keep their agreement with Sony.
Yeah, and hey, why not make the best out of the situation, right? Like if you you know if you're gonna be you know stuck in a certain like you know kind of a, of a crappy deal, why not make the most out of it? And that's why I just wonder. Um, as much as Perry, I get what you're talking about, how they're going in a different direction with Venom. Uh, I love Tom Hardy. Uh, he's great. He's a great actor. I think he could play any any role, any character, and be good at it, to be honest with you. I've never seen him do anything bad before. Like any Everything I've ever seen in, with him in it was great. Um, but um, I feel like ultimately, like, I mean, look, the, the MCU needs a Morbius too. Um, you know, like, so I, I, I get where cyber's coming from with the whole thing with like, with Morbius being that connective tissue. Like, I really kind of get where he's coming from with that. Um, but, um, my last comment with this is just basically that on this topic is just that again, like I said, Perry, do you think that the money is what's more important at the end of the day? Or do you think that like, there, th that there's a possibility that they could actually put something together for the fans. I mean, it, I don't think that they completely like throw away fan opinion. They wouldn't be where they're at if they did. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, like Sony, S Sony banks on having these properties. Yes. Um, and they're not going to let go of anything at all. Like they, <laughs> no. they're not going to sell. They're not going to sell the company. Like they're not going to be, they're not going to do a 20th century Fox did. Um, Cause no, still I'll tell you right now, if Disney that. bought Sony at this point, I, it would honestly be getting to a point with this stuff with Disney and these acquisitions where I would start to be like, you know what? This is getting kind of like monopolized almost. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. Yeah. I don't think but, that deal would go through. I think that the, the commission, the trade commission would. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm still shocked to this day that Marvel, that, that Disney bought Marvel Studios. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, you know, honestly, like, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, it, I know it was a long time ago, but uh, it's kind of crazy in a way. You know what I mean? At that point, it would be like, it just would, to me, from what I've heard, if the rumors are true, which of course they're probably not, but if the rumors are true, then like, Sony's already given like Disney and ask like a price on what they they'd want to like sell the 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 rights to the Spider-Man character and everything and all the other characters back and it's astronomical. I would uh, believe that. That sounds about right. So Livestream Land, we want to thank you for watching us tonight. We're going to be closing up now. We've had a really great evening. It was great to have our trio back. Of course, you can find, you know, Mr. Perry uh, on his podcast, the Off Podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can check that out on him. He's awesome. He's amazing. Uh, he's a great guest. It's always enjoyed him having him as our co-host. It's great to have him back in, the, in a couple episodes of the recent weeks. So it's been great to have you, Perry. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, of course, yeah, so proud. So Oh, just, then, just, just the energy tonight was like, things were more fun than I, they have been like for weeks. Honestly, Perry, it was just nice to have you back. You guys are making me blush. Oh, goodness. <laughs>
Oh, goodness. We're it's too dark just, in your room to see your blushing, see sir. You, man. Me and Cyber are just happy to see your face. Well, I'm happy to see you guys, too. This is, I, like, I'm glad, I'm glad I've been able to, like, come back for the last, like, uh, a couple weeks ago I was back, and then uh, with this one I was excited to come back and talk to you guys about it. Well, we ended up going an hour and fifty, an hour and fifty, just because like we all enjoy talking to each other so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I, you know what? Like at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Most <laughs> certainly, most <laughs> certainly. So, and like I said before, people, you can find me on YouTube, of course, as well under Cybernetic Shark. You can find me on TikTok, Twitter. Instagram, anywhere you can look, you know, you can see my solo stuff there. You can also see the MCU's Bleeding Edge stuff there. You can find uh, us on our website, uh, the MCU's Bleeding Edge.org. Uh, you can, of course, find Mr. Jeff Slavota, of course, on all the same sites and so forth as well. You can find us both on the amazing and fun Rizzle, where we post stuff usually pretty, pretty regularly. Uh, you can find a lot of Dune stuff on there, which is really awesome. And, uh, you know, all that kind of cool stuff and stuff like that. Uh, uh, is there anything you would like to plug, Mr. Perry? Maybe a little bit about your band real quick, uh, you know, where we can find, uh, where we can listen to you or anything like that? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, yeah, if you uh, if you want to listen to us, we we're, right now we've only put out, uh, we only have our covers. It's a cover band right now, but we're, we're slowly writing stuff right now and, um, if you do want to go, go hear us where, um, we're on YouTube, at up the river. Um, I think, I think the handle is at up the river band. Um, but you'll see our logo. It says up the river. It looks like a eighties font. It's really, uh, yeah, you can go check us out. And then over the course of hopefully the next few months, we're going to start really recording our, uh, our original stuff and start putting that out to the world and see where, see where that goes. <laughs> wait, wait awesome. till, cyber. You want to see Perry blush? Wait till we play some of Perry's music on the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's great. Perry. We, uh, definitely yeah. keep that in mind. Everyone out there in the live stream land, definitely check out up the river band. Uh, it's a cool band. I, I've listened to, to his music, the covers that they've done at some of their live shows. It's really awesome. They do a great job, guys, so definitely check thank them out, too, as well. You're welcome. And as always, people, want to thank everyone for in the comments. Want to thank everyone for watching. And that this is the MCU's Bleeding Edge going out, and we'll see you next week.